Welcome to the IASA Podcast Network. I am Rich Volz, the Associate Director of the Illinois Association of School Administrators. Today, our guest is Dr. Colleen Pachet, Superintendent of Gurney School District Number 56. The topic of this podcast is remote learning from a leading technology school district. Good afternoon, Colleen. Please tell our listeners about yourself and your school district. Gurney District 56 is an elementary school district, a pre-K-8 school district, about 45 minutes north of Chicago, up along the Wisconsin-Illinois border. Uh, we are a very uh, diverse school district. We are a minority-majority district. We have a vast range of income levels that we service, and um, we're the perfect petri for uh, petri dish for the the country. Uh, we have been a one-to-one district since the 2011-12 school year is when we went one-to-one, and we're an iPad district. So all of our students have a device from kindergarten through eighth grade, and they take them home 24-7 and always have. And so we um, have been very active in the appropriate integration of technology into our classrooms since 2012. So we've had a lot of years of experience with it. We were very focused on making sure that we were using it and leveraging the power of our devices to promote learning and not using it as a substitute at a substitution level. And so that's um, been kind of our vision since 2012 is how do we do that? What does it look like? How are we successful? And We've had a lot of success with it as a result of the hard work that our teachers have done and the professional development that we put in to get us to where we are today. Yes, exactly. Uh, I know your your district has been a leader in using technology to be an integral part of the education of your students. I personally have visited your classrooms and worked with your administrators on many occasions and have seen the great work your educators are doing. Your district was also one of the original Illinois school districts that obtained a waiver from the Illinois State Board of Education to implement e-learning on school closure days. And I even invited you to speak to Illinois educators last fall at the Illinois School Board Convention to tell other administrators what you were doing. So please tell your story of how your district has become such a great leader of using technology to educate students. Well, the previous superintendent, uh, Dr. John Hutton, gets a lot of credit for that because he had a, uh, his vision for the use of technology was, um, I want to say, on the cutting edge. He was very excited by it. And as the assistant superintendent at that time, I benefited because I was on the ground level of figuring out how do we make this all work. So I was um, involved with the development of our professional learning for our teachers. We worked closely with Apple um, because we were an Apple district. And we were able to really um, get some powerful professional development, which I think is key to anything being successful. And we sustained it over a long period of time. It wasn't one and done. We did it for years. We did training every year for as long as I can remember on the successful integration of technology in the classroom. And I want to say the last year or two is probably the first time we've had our main focus on something other than the integration of technology. So how did your leadership team evolve from this learning plan to into remote learning? Uh, probably be much easier than most districts because you've been at this so long. 
Yeah, when we found out we were going to be part of the pilot, um, we kind of had to step back and regroup because remote learning is entirely different than what we're doing in our classrooms with our devices. When when we're integrating technology in the classrooms, it's being done as a as a piece or a component of an actual live lesson with teachers moving around the room, hands-on activities going on, in addition to the use of technology to support it. So um, it's a different thing. And then when you layer on that, that we are a pre-K-8 school district, you've got to think about how those youngest students are going to be able to manage themselves with that device at home without a teacher. And so we really took a pause to figure out how are we going to do that. And so I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think the pilot was supposed to run five years ago. And um, we spent, we took every professional learning day that we had planned for that year when we found out we were going to be about in the pilot. And we worked on designing what e-learning was going to look like in the event of a snow day. And the plan that we had back then, five years ago, is not even remotely close to the plan that we have that's in place today because we had time for trial and error. And as tools became um, better and apps became better and options were more plentiful, we started with certain platforms and then moved away from those platforms because teachers found things that worked better. And just as a you know, a natural outcome of the world of technology in elementary classrooms evolving was a change in how our e-learning worked. Plus, our students became much more adept. We don't have any students in our school district now that did not have an experience as a device starting in kindergarten. So they're very sophisticated, savvy users. So you layer all of that together and our e-learning plan has morphed over time and our administrative team has been on board with all of that since day one. And they will say, this works, this doesn't work. So now after several weeks of this remote learning that's taking place now, how is it progressing in your schools? Well, the most interesting thing uh, I have found is um, the focus for us has been on social and emotional learning much more so than technology. We were very, very lucky in that when this came, we were ready to go. This wasn't for us figuring out the logistics of doing technology and remote learning through e-learning. That was one piece, thankfully, that we didn't really have to think about because we've already worked through all those logistics. Um, right now, it's about thinking differently about your learning over long term. Planning for a snow day is entirely different than planning for an, a full quarter away from students. And so I was very thankful when the state superintendent adjusted the number of hours that were required rather than the five days and breaking it back because one of the first things you learn when you embark on e-learning is teachers over plan. And kids are getting eight, nine hours worth of work for five hours. So even now today, I had a conversation with uh, some administrators at my administrative meeting, and we were talking about how kids are still finding that they're doing four or five hours worth of work when we're trying to back it off of that. So even now, we're still over-assigning, and we have to make those adjustments. Um, 
and it's stressful teaching. It's hard. So I've asked our staff to really focus on the wellness of our kids and checking in with kids. When we were doing our e-learning days for snow days, we weren't worrying about using Google Meets and those kinds of things or Zoom. But now we are because we, I feel it's important that our kids see their teachers and see their classmates so we can sustain that kind of social emotional connection to one another throughout the remainder of the year. So that kind of goes into my next question is how are your students and teachers adapting to this no physical school? Well, I think people have resigned themselves to this, the reality of where we are today and we have to make the best of it. Uh, lots of creative ideas coming out, lots of um, videos from different resources within our district coming out to get, get kids an opportunity to go outside and do something if they can. Um, they understand it. It's the reality. But I will say this, we did have to create an opportunity for teachers to get into the building once in April because they needed some things. And we are going to do that again in preparation for the month of May because they need some things um, because they didn't think to bring everything they needed home for the rest of the year. So we have to do some of that while we wanted to lock down our buildings. The reality is they might need some beakers and things like that that are in the classroom in order to do a science experiment on the kitchen counter. So um, we are adjusting, but it's the reality. Nobody, this isn't anybody's first choice. So what's been your biggest surprise thus far? I think for me, the biggest surprise, and I just I just finished an administrative meeting, is teachers realizing how badly their kids want to see them. Even those kids that are tough kids and that are not as engaged look forward to seeing the teacher because it creates some sense of normalcy. And I don't think teachers realized how connected they were to them you know, because particularly in middle school, they don't act like it. In the first grades, they love it. Um, the other thing is my biggest surprise is the participation rate, particularly K-5. It's very, very high. And so that, that makes me very happy. We do provide a device for every child, and we are able to provide internet access for every family if they ask for it. So um, if we can just get them on, then we feel like we're at least building that connection and sustaining it. So I'm pleased with that participation rate. I wish our middle school was a higher participation rate, but they're still middle school students. So you have to work with them as best you can to keep them engaged. So uh, what are you most proud of? I mean, your biggest positive comment? I've noticed and my, my administrators have gotten some feedback and calls. And then I see things posted on social media about how our parents are happy that they're in our district because we were in a position to go with this. Our kids are able to do this. Our second grade kids are able to log on and those types of things. This is not parents learning all of this in the middle of all the pandemic and the quarantining and all of that. So they had this, the logistical piece already in place. And so while e-learning isn't anybody's favorite, even on a snow day, our parents are seeing the benefit of the work that we did on the front end that ended up helping us now. What do you think will be the educational impact for your students? Well, we talk about that a lot, and I know that we're there are concerns for learning loss that's going to take place during the quarter. My, uh, my biggest concern is the, going to be the impact on the wellness of our kids, the social-emotional connections, depending on how long this quarantine runs on and how that's going to 
play out when the time comes when we can return to a brick and mortar building. I think our initial return, it's going to be exciting. People are going to be thrilled. It's going to give us a sense of feeling like what teaching has always felt like and what school has felt like for kids. But at some point, the social emotional trauma of what we're going through is probably going to rear up and impact us in the classroom. At the same time, I think that we'll be able to leverage remote learning a little bit better, a little bit more fluidly and readily for situations that we aren't expecting and build our confidence in the use of that as a tool. I read recently that you presented to some school administrators on this topic. What was your message during that presentation? Uh, to be patient and that you, that you, this was before we were all on lockdown, but before you can't just throw it together. You can't expect teachers to just figure it out quickly. Uh, it's a pretty steep learning curve to figure out how to do this and do it well. And you're going to have trial and error and things are going to go well and things are going to fall flat, just like in the classroom. You know, you plan what you think is a great lesson and, and it's not. It's no different with e-learning and then you're, you're leveraging teachers at a time when they're home and they're stressed out and not comfortable with the format. You've got to give them time to figure it out. As we look towards the future and someday a routine to some type of normalcy, how do you think this will affect public education? That, that is a really great question. I, I can see it opening the door to a hybrid of learning for some students where the school setting might not work well for, for certain kids or open the door to access to more content uh, where kids can participate. I mean, even our bands are doing fabulous things with uh, remote lessons and virtually putting on concerts and those types of things. And I think it acts, creates access for kids where the school setting might not match for everything or they're out on a long-term illness, those types of things. I think it'll open the door for that. So what closing comments would you have on this topic today? I, I, I have empathy for those districts that weren't in the position that we were in. We were very lucky that we were in the position we're in. And again, to give credit to Dr. John Hutton, who had the vision to get us there. Um, and for those districts that don't have the ability to provide devices and to provide the internet and have to think even more creatively to accomplish this. I, I feel like this is a place we need to go in order to prepare our kids for the world that they're going to live in. And I think we need to be leveraging technology because our kids are savvy learners. And um, I feel that it enhances their learning as long as we're not using it as the sole delivery device. So I always think there's going to be a place for schools and I don't wanna lose the power of the connection between teachers and students but I think there is something there that can elevate what we're doing. Well, I'd like to thank you very much, Colleen, for participating in our podcast today, and best of luck to you and your students for the rest of the year. Thank you very much. Thank you.